an English teacher diagnosed with a brain tumour, deciding to live her life to the fullest and help those around her. A bullied student who turns to his favourite teacher for support. A band on the verge of mainstream success who needs someone to help pull them together. Dreams of a Damselfly is my debut novel and is now available in Kindle and paperback formats. Search Dreams of a Damselfly on Amazon or follow the link in the description of this episode. Talgo of Foudrin Chapter 10 A Work of Evil The stink of the corridor was becoming unbearable. This was mostly down to Talgo's own doing. Having nowhere else to go, he lay in a pool of his own urine and faeces. The fresh clothes that Ulmer Greencloak had given him were now as dirty and stained as the rags he wore when he left Foudrin. After two or three days, he had tried to move his leg and test whether he could put any weight on it at all, but each time he had attempted this, he felt unbearable agony. His leg did not seem to be healing, and he wondered if perhaps it had been shattered so badly that it would never repair itself. He continued to eat the flapping fish, but now he was denied his walks, as his leg would not cope with the strain. He passed his days by fantasising about killing the Skurg King, and taking his bone crown for himself. Yes, that would be something. Talgo of Foudrin, King of the Skurgs. He also thought about the wizards drinking their poison and dying slowly over many days and nights agony. He wondered whether the Skurg who had poisoned the wizards would become the master of all Jura, or whether the powers considered this as something other than murder. Perhaps Talgo would gain the power himself, as it was his idea. And what then I could do with all that power? Prisoners continued to come and go, often looking down at Talgo with pity. When they saw that his leg was broken, they thought that the Skurgs had tried to break his bones out of his leg so that they could feast on him. It filled Talgo with a fury that they would consider him a prisoner just like them. He was no prisoner. He was the boy behind the plan which had likely defeated the five legendary wizards of Gilhalla. After another few days, the pain in his leg finally started to calm. He still could not put any weight upon it, but it did not hurt so much when he moved it. He was able to drag his body across the corridor now and prop himself against the wall. Many Skurgs came and went, ignoring him most of the time, but every now and then, one would strip over his broken leg, sending a soaring pain through it. He wondered whether the Skurgs genuinely did not see him, or if they inflicted this pain on purpose. Finally, after many days of waiting, a Skurg came to Talgo with some news. The Yamakoi will now have had the time to work on the five. Let us see if the wizards are still alive. You want me to come with you? Talgo asked. Yes, boy, the Skurg replied with some irritation in its voice. It was your plan after all. Come, we leave now. But my leg is still broken, Talgo said. I cannot yet walk. 
You will try, the Skurg demanded. Talgo managed to hoist himself up onto one leg as the Skurg stood doing nothing but grin. He paused for a moment, bracing himself before attempting to stand on both legs. Nearly as soon as his broken leg touched the ground, the pain shot up through Talgo's entire body and he fell to the floor. Let me look, the Skurg said. It skulked over to Talgo and lifted his dirty trouser leg up, taking no care as it did so. Talgo had not had the heart to look at his leg since the Skurgs had broken it. Looking now, he could see a lump in his leg where the bone had been sticking out. His leg was covered in sticky, dry blood, but also a dark, greenish-black mass. An infection, the Skurg said. What does that mean? Talgo asked. Perhaps we should cut off your leg, the Skurg suggested. No, Talgo said with fright. Allow me to go to Gilhalla with both of my legs at least. You may look again at my leg when we get there. How will you get there, boy? The Skurg said. Hopping all of those miles is like to exhaust you. Give me a stick to lean on and I shall make it. But you must allow me to be slower than the rest of you. The Skurg brought Talgo a spear with the sharp head taken off and once again Talgo went north towards Gilhalla. He travelled with a much smaller group this time, only four Skurgs and Talgo himself. They did indeed move a little slower than on the previous two journeys, but still at a much faster pace than Talgo would have liked, broken leg or not. Talgo came to hate the sight of the low hills. He was not surprised. He felt a deep hatred towards many things. He hated Foudrin and its people. He hated Grakash and the Skurgs. He hated Gilhalla Tower and the Five Wizards. The low hills were simply one more piece of monotonous scenery to add to the list. It was very hard going on the way up the hills. Talgo would try to move his broken leg at the same time as the spear shaft, leaning on the wood instead of his leg. This was difficult enough on flatlands, never mind the steep inclines of the low hills. The declines were just as bad too, and the Skurgs made no efforts to aid Talgo, but simply looked back at him with frustrated expressions on their faces. Do not be angry with me. Be angry with your vile Skurg king. Did he not think that I would slow you down? The Skurgs allowed Talgo to rest on two occasions. Mostly, Talgo thought, because they would have been exhausted themselves with having to wait for him all the time. The sun had already begun to set during their second rest, and the magic river was nowhere in sight. It became clear that they would not reach Galhalla that day, so the group rested for the night, and continued their journey the next morning. Now the Skurgs were a little more helpful. They carried Talgo up and down some of the hills, and when they finally reached the magic river, they carried him through this too. It was not until Talgo saw the white spheres of Gilhalla Tower that he began to feel trepidation. He wondered if the wizards had truly drank the potion, and if they had, did they now lie dead in the tower, or were they still suffering? He could imagine their accusing eyes looking at him, crying, Traitor! Coward! What would he do then? Simply stand and laugh as the old men writhed and gasped for their final breath? It took the company another two hours to reach the tower, and they were gathered underneath a great tree, watching Gilhalla Tower as though it may fall at any moment. The king wishes you to enter the tower yourself, boy, a skurg informed him. If the wizards are alive, they will likely not kill you. I would not be certain of that, Talgo said. He looked up at the tower. He could see no movements from the windows, could hear no sounds coming from within. Go now, the Skurg instructed. Talgo approached the tower cautiously, 
expecting at any moment to burst into flames or be swallowed by the earth. When he reached the great wooden doors, he felt a mix of surprise, relief and more trepidation. What now? Surely the wizards will not have left the door unlocked. But they had. Talgo swung the great doors open to find an empty hall. He entered. This was where he had first met the wizards. It felt like only yesterday that Dalsur Bluecloak defended him and asked Ulmer Greencloak to run a bath for him. How he longed for a hot bath now to soak his rotting leg in. He crept through the hall and further into the tower, not daring to call out any of the wizards' names for fear of them responding to it. It might have been a very long search. There were many rooms and corridors and entire levels of this tower which Talgo knew nothing of. It might have taken him days, especially given his leg, but thankfully, Talgo found the wizards quickly, as soon as he opened the door to the dining room. It was Kilner Whitecloak he spotted first, sitting in an old wooden chair with a large mug in his left hand. He was slumped over and would look as though he was sleeping if it was not for his wide open eyes. At his feet, Ulmer Greencloak lay face down with his arms spread out either side of him. Talgo could see the look of agony that the wizard had had on his face at the moment of his death. It was twisted with pain. At the table, the three others sat. Jihur Redcloak sat beside Nalor, both of them rigid in their chairs, staring at the floor. And in front of them, with his back turned to Talgo, was Dalsur Bluecloak, who had his head resting on his arms, which lay upon the table. But it was not the bodies of the wizards that struck Talgo. Above the table floated a large ball of light. Its colour was difficult to determine. At first, Talgo had thought it was a light cream colour, but gazing into the centre revealed it to be more yellow. Talgo thought that it was large enough for a man to lay down inside, but no more. It was perfectly round. Talgo felt drawn towards it. His feet moved him closer to the ball without his mind telling them to. When he reached the table, he raised his arm in an effort to touch the giant ball, to see what it may feel like. As his arm crept further out, he felt someone else's hand touch his. Do not touch that, my boy. Dalsur Blue Cloak. Talgo reeled backwards in fear. The wizard's eyes were cold and his voice was frail. He looked into Dalsur's eyes. They were dark and tired. Why, Talgo, Dalsur said slowly and with much pain in his voice. You look as though you have seen a mortar. Talgo did not speak. He felt a wave of panic spread throughout him. He simply stood with mouth open, body as rigid as the corpses of the others. I am the last one standing, Dalsur said. My friends have passed from this world. And I believe it was you who sent them there. Talgo nodded his head slowly. Dalsur snorted. I shall be joining them soon, I fear. Perhaps you are wondering about this ball of light here. When a master of Jura is killed, the person who killed them becomes the next master. In this case, I believe many of you have plotted together. So the Jura has simply left their bodies, and now circles above my head. 
the first person to touch it shall be the next master. Talgo looked greedily at the light. All that power. He reached his hand out once more. No, Talgo, Dalsur commanded with urgency. You do not know what comes with such power. It would drive you to madness. I am stronger than you would believe, Talgo insisted. I'd wager that you are a great deal stronger than many would believe, Talgo of Faudrin. But even a wizard could not become master of all Jura. These powers belong to nobody, and certainly nobody should command all of them. But it is not all of them, Talgo said. By my estimation, that ball contains the earth, fire, wind and ice Jura. But not water. Not yet. To be master of even two Jura would be enough to change you, and not for the better. The wizard began a dry cough. <coughs> Talgo, I, I beg of you. You have made many mistakes, yes, but you are still young. Do not ruin your chances of life. Go away from here. Forget about us. Forget about the Skargs. Travel to Freymair or Majira or the Western Lands. Begin anew. Suddenly, without meaning to, Talgo grinned as wide as a skurg. No, said he. I have decided what I want. Everything I've ever wanted is in that ball. I shall take it. He reached his hand out towards the great ball and inserted his hand. Inside it was deathly cold enough to sting. The lights moved quickly up his arm and engulfed him. He felt light-headed and dizzy as the Jura entered him. When it was done, he found that he had collapsed onto the floor. He picked himself up. The room looked different. It looked as though a mist had crept into it and filled it with a cloudy haze, making it very difficult to see anything. A thousand thoughts swam into his head all at once. He could feel the power of the Jura within him. I feel the fire Jura. I feel the earth Jura. I feel the wind Jura. I feel the ice Jura. Suddenly he knew things. He knew more about the wizards. Could almost see their past. He knew about the lands of this world. He could see distant places he'd never heard the name of, but whose names now sung out to him so familiarly that Talgo wondered whether he had really never heard of them before. He saw the great Mount Ephrio to the east, and the town of Liriel to the south. He knew it was warm there, and that the people today were generally happy, but he also knew that that was about to change. He held his head in his hands and let out a scream of pain. Oh, dear boy! Dalsur groaned. What have you done to yourself? Talgo felt anger at this to begin with, but then simply began to laugh. Just think it. All I need to do is think it, and it will happen. He raised his hands into the air and created a block of ice with a sharp point on one end. He sent this end flying into the heart of the blue wizard who had been his only true friend in life.
I feel the water Jura. You have been listening to Talgo of Foudrin, a fantasy novella set in the world of Moran. Thanks once again for listening to this story. Talgo of Foudrin will now be taking a break while the Short Stories podcast puts out new original short stories of various genres every week. We're now halfway through Talgo's story, and you can expect the next five chapters on this podcast towards the end of the summer, with the final five chapters releasing around October. You can keep up to date with the podcast by subscribing on your preferred platform or following me on Facebook and Twitter. Links are in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Talgo's journey will continue soon.